0: Hey everyone, how are we doing today? This is BTG, or also Bridging the Gap, as we like to say. Uh, my name is Will Valentine, and um, I'm your co host, Mikiel Haragot. You can call me Mikiel. Today's topic is going to be a brief um, uh, two topics about racial injustice, specifically reverse racism. And affirmative action. And then we're gonna also go into a little talk about how we can be more open minded when we can go into these types of dialogues, because these dialogues are super important, especially in the, 20, the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So, we're first going to start off with a little question, uh, the questionnaire recap that you all filled out about two months ago. Uh, we first wanna thank you so much for filling it out, as these responses were awesome, and we really got to hear everyone's perspective. Uh, going into it. Um, We're going to have, for each little question that everyone asked, we're going to have the graph show up right above us. So for the pretty much the age demographic, which is up here, uh, we had about, in terms of responses, we had the responses from the ages of 18 to 24. So this was really good because this shows that the younger generation is really putting their foot forward on these c- current issues at hand. But we also had a lot of other uh, ages r- respond to this, such as ages between 27 all the way up to 80 years old, which is awesome also because this shows that there's a wide variety of ages who are looking into these types of issues.
1: So then uh, another graph that we uh, listed was the uh, male to female ratio, which should be showing up right here. Uh, most of the responses were, predi- predominantly male, about a two-thirds ratio. Um, this is not surprising because of like, the people we were able to reach out with this, but at least we we're happy to know that um, also included in this, although not as prevalent, there were people who identified as non-binary or genderqueer, so uh, we would like to get more of those kind of voices out there, but the fact that we were able to reach it some is very nice to see. And then our next graph that we had was like race. It was predominantly white in this case. That's not necessarily problematic. That is just the nature of the demographic that we are in—the DMV area. But we did still get to get um, people's voices from like the African American communities and every communities as listed. We did have some uh, Native Hawaiian people, surprisingly. Uh, but yes, uh, it was primarily divided between African Americans and whites. Uh, we probably would wish for more diversity than that, but given the
0: circumstances, it's not too surprising. That race uh, graph will also be right above us. Yep. Um, in terms of the amount of times people were having these conversations, uh, we we found that a lot of people were having into about the three to five times a week range, which is great. Any any form or amount of conversations really adds um, to
1: just like understanding and maybe like awareness to such discourses that we should be having in, in America. Uh, we'll have the pie chart also listening to show like the ratios of people, how many times they uh, talked per week. And although COVID has been pretty, you know, troublesome for the nation, it has at least given us more of a chance to really take the time to talk to the people we're around and um, make us maybe think for the
0: better or for the worst. we'll see. In terms of the scenarios in which people have had these types of dialogues, we found that a lot of people were having them either randomly with friends Kind of like what we're doing right now, or uh, at the dinner table with their family. Uh, we also found a lot of people were having these dialogues in at school or in class or even um, at work. Uh, but which pretty much shows that everyone's having these dialogues in a wide variety of areas, which is great.
1: Yeah. It was just the uh, general overview of like our questionnaire, so we were able to at least see some ideas of like what kind of people in the area are thinking of, or like at least how aware they are of like some racially charged uh, discussions. But uh, now we just want to transition to the ideas that we want to talk about today, which is uh, reverse racism and affirmative
0: action. So, Mickey, do you think reverse racism is a thing in America right now?
1: So. What I have to say is uh, I think the term reverse racism" in itself is problematic because I think racism exists, and I think it could be racist to all types of people. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like the terminology reverse racism, especially the way it's used predominantly with white people to black people, is problematic because it's uh, technically trying to imply that in, recent, uh, in the recent time period of United States history, African Americans are being racist to white people. What I prefer to say would probably be more on the lines of discriminatory because reverse racism or how you see the word racist or racism has changed over time I'm no expert but usually racism implies not only just like uh belittling of someone or like inferring um inferring of like racial superiority that's only possible if you come from a position of power reverse racism is weird in itself because it's as if they're flipping it I find it like kind of ironic to a certain extent mm-hmm. it's like a somewhat of an acknowledgement of racism but trying to flip it from on to black people to on white people that would apply also a dynamic power change i would rather just say racism or more realistic realistically discrimination against people it's mm-hmm. weird because words matter and reverse racism is a really weird word choice to say it could have just been i guess they're saying oh, people are being racist to us now because of past history, even though I personally haven't done something.
0: So we, so what do you say then, because you said discri- discrimination and racism are completely two different things, but what do you say that uh, ra- like racial prejudices and racism can be intertwined together
1: well yeah i would also just be careful it's not necessarily i'm trying it's hard to um really think about this especially because people are very nitpicky these days about like what you really mean Mm -hmm. or like oh i actually meant this um so someone could be discriminatory so like a black person could like say i don't like white people i don't associate with white people that could just be like the nature of the fact of where they live or like Mm -hmm. historical like issues that they have with them and you can discriminate to them but then in this case you couldn't really truly be racist or there isn't racism in that because they're not their belittlements doesn't actually necessarily put them down in a position of power in my opinion there but it is still problematic Mm -hmm. if like for no justifiable reason you would say i'm discriminatory against somebody or i dislike them in that Mm -hmm.
0: instance um so it sounds like in terms of Reverse racism, or even just dissecting in racism and discrimination, it sounds like, uh, in for the predominantly for those races who are being very discriminatory uh, against, mm-hmm. such as like African Americans or Asian Americans and others. It sounds like for the the people who are being discriminatory against them, they really need to understand that they've been oppressing like first a Uh, Many years they've been oppressing these uh, African-Americans and Asian-Americans and other ethnicities for so long that the fact that reverse racism, they want to try to bring it up is almost like a defense mechanism to saying that to a certain
1: extent so there isn't like there isn't necessarily people are wrong so like the issue comes down to perspective i would say mm-hmm. um, you could be a white person you could have lived your whole life like doing objectively nothing wrong to people of color or anything of some of the sorts of that but it doesn't change the history of it to s- suggest the concept of reverse racism is weird for me because i think the term is just wrong in itself reverse racism it's implying a flip of dynamics mm-hmm. um there is very much to a certain extent instances where I would agree that like people are bashing on white people just for the sake of bashing on them I don't think person personally people should be um, told to not speak simply on the matter of race that defeats the purpose you cannot mm. come to agreements or you know uh, better outcomes by excluding a group of people regardless if they were the group of people that were problematic in the first place if you exclude them, they don't think they're part of the dialogue, and if not part of the dialogue, they won't make change. Exactly. They will remain uh, static, mm-hmm. and even though your principles have improved or, like, you've come to proper conclusions, they will not have. Um, so it's
0: really almost trying to take a step back and trying to, before you kind of make a discriminatory case against someone, you really need to kind of think about the bigger picture of what might happen mm-hmm. uh, from that, Very and much especially so. see how uh, someone might feel, like later on you know
1: yeah uh, but it's like also just important to note that like yeah i wouldn't say reverse racism is i feel like that's a defensive mechanism mm-hmm. there isn't and it's not incorrect of you to sometimes or people to say that hey you're just objectively attacking me we're not coming to a conclusion i would agree right. with that but reverse racism kind of like bastardizes like the idea of racism or the experience that people have for racism whether it be like on a face-to-face one-on-one individual interaction or if it is on a systematic level where like you as an individual haven't been racist to me but like mm-hmm. to insinuate that reverse racism is occurring is to imply that well you also have systematically we have systematically now put things in place to prevent you from improving or being able
0: to improve as a human being. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would put on with reverse racism. Uh, to- if, if just to like switch the topic a little bit mm-hmm. on to and this was a great conversation we had with yeah. reverse racism and we'll definitely be able to talk about it more in the future with future episodes. But um, in terms of going to racism in general, but looking at maybe the college enrollment process yeah. and talking about affirmative action, uh, do you see affirmative action as being a problem in our current society?
1: Well, I'll actually flip the question. Like, what do you see that is problematic about affirmative action? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe why? Like, what, what are some ideas that you have? Yeah, about- so I,
0: f- I think a lot of people have a similar perspective um, that um, – or for a lot of the, a lot of white Americans have this perspective that if there was an individual who um, had a similar GPA, had pretty high GPA, had all these extracurricular activities, and one person was white and the other person was African American or Asian American or another ethnicity, mm-hmm. that Asian American or African American would have a leg up on the white American just because of the color of their skin, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because the school might be. Trying to become either more diverse or um, bring in uh, a more diverse background so they can um, pretty much cater towards those other populations, but I think in my eye and in, in my eyes and a lot of other um, and a lot of other white Americans like they see this as being a potential problem to them being able to have a higher education at uh, some of these colleges
1: okay so then I, I just like want to follow up and ask necessarily. Um, mm. Like, th- my understanding is, like, that's problematic because, you know, you're naturally or you're getting rid of people or preventing people who might have actually scored well enough to actually get into the college to not get into it, even though, academically speaking, they were better in all regards or equivalents mm-hmm. to a certain extent, especially, like, if you say, hey, you have these two equivalent people, but we're automatically going to discount this person because of their color. Well, so, like, I'd say issues with that, and I'm not disagreeing. Um, the, um, wow, I'm already forgetting the term of it. Uh, what's the name of? Uh, the uh,
0: affirmative action. Thank you or, uh, for, yeah, God, of for a second. Yeah, affirmative action. <laughs> uh,
1: I think it's a good thing that was made with great intentions that has problems to date now, but the concepts behind it, were people saying, "Oh, it's discriminatory to white people," slightly mismatched So, like, I can see like grade wise that could be problematic, uh, but like for example. We have to take the ACT or the SAT. SAT was like very much so the de facto thing before. Yeah. The what ACT, did did you named. take the ACT or the? SAT? I took the ACT, for example. Okay. Yeah, um, so did I sort of did. I did fine enough, so like I don't think like that would be like something to discriminate. More so does my GPA. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, the SAT w- is a huge factor for people. You know, you're like dying to get your SAT math and all that stuff. But if we look at the history of the SAT, and also like statistical analysis that have been done, the SAT actually has like no strong correlation with how well a student would do. When they actually go to college for their first year grades, this is going to be listed in some of the articles that we've posted out. But when the SAT was created in like nineteen twenties, the person who made it was like saying that like the cream of the crop or like the average of intelligence in the United States is going to fall short of like Eurocentric kind mm-hmm. of views Eurocentric intelligence because of the quote unquote mixed match diversity, or he wouldn't really think of it as diversity in America because that involved quote unquote like the inferior race negro mm-hmm. at the time period and also looking at it like the sat like i was talking about the statistical analysis has like strong correlations not to your education or like actual capability to become mm-hmm. a learned person but more so your zip code your edge uh, like your your family income you know where you're born your race these all factors it's like they showed that like there's more correlation between your weight and your height to then the sat to your grade when you're in college. So I'd say affirmative action is useful because it addresses the fact that like people who don't do well on like SATs or like especially for colleges that require them are actually being discounted based on a merit system that focuses on whether or not you've been privileged for a well mm-hmm. life. So that's like one issue that yeah. I would have with it. I wouldn't disagree with you, though, that it is slightly problematic, because, like, ironically, like, when the 14th Amendment was made, which was, like, you shall not, like, discriminate, the affirmative action kind of is doing that by saying we explicitly want a specific racial group to, to increase diversity. But there have been cases saying, like, well, the reason why we do this is, like, the school is allowed to choose who they want to educate or who they hire to educate people, and they're allowed to do this. Mm-hmm. And you like, oh, that's weird. So, like, we're kind of, like, voting for this whole idea of, like, racial discrimination to, like, better races. But then, while that sounds problematic, we have to understand. When the 14th Amendment was made, it didn't just end, like, racial inequality. It just Mm. put into legalese finally something that people have wanted forever, that we should not discriminate. Right. However, we already had a system in place Mm -hmm.
0: that... Quite unf- yeah. like was like. And this just gets racial. back to the systemic racism that's yeah. So
1: well, it gets ironic because like people kind of have to make understand that like, to a weird case, you need to have like racial inequality, mm-hmm. like as bad as that sounds, yeah. To like offset the inequality that was faced by minority groups, mm-hmm. and to the like white person who like might lose that own, like an acceptance to the college, uh, this sounds really weird. Like I, am not gonna deny it. that like, does suck. Mm-hmm. It really does. But it also, like, if you look at it historically, it's not necessarily that they're going to be, like, denied, like, an upper-level education. Like, it's not... that When I say it like this, it sounds really problematic, but we, if we just look at the big picture, the availability of, for that one black person or one Hispanic person or Asian person isn't probably going to... Um, if they don't get into that school, it's going to be very hampered because they probably would also have to deal with, like, uh, education costs and so on and so yeah.
0: forth. But I mean, you're, you're also, like... We also have to just realize that, um, regardless of, I mean, I I think in our current age, a lot of colleges kind of get this a lot higher status than they really are. I mean, Mm -hmm. going to college is an experience, and you're going to get a diploma and you're going to learn a lot of skills, regardless of the college you go to. Uh, You're going to learn a lot of skills on just like how to be successful in life. And I think. Um, a lot of these colleges that are like Ivy League schools and like other higher up schools that just um, might run into this problem. I mean, it sh- people should realize that regardless of where you get an education from, it's still a quality education and you're going to be able to be successful with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have to say like following up to that, though, like to show like agreement to like why I think affirmative action
1: is slightly problematic though. Mm-hmm. Is that like... Yes, the bar is raised, but sometimes it can put put it could put people into schools that they actually could not academically compete at. Like I, I personally feel mm. like like not necessarily that I couldn't academically compete when I switched from my middle school to Potomac, our high school. It was rig- rigorous. I yeah. got in there on merit, though. I'm pretty sure like it wasn't like. <laughs> This this thing we're talking about right now—it's high school. It's the yeah. difference from college, but <laughs> it's hard. And if we look at like actual data analysis, like California was one of the states that actually got rid of um, ac- um, like parts of affirmative action for like UCLA and all those colleges. Mm-hmm. And the issue is like before then, although like they had more like racial diversity, there was like a certain percentage of African Americans, Hispanics, people who would like drop out or not not complete their college education there because of the difficulties. You're suddenly put into a Top level academy with high like learning sc- like mm-hmm. curve, but after they had like got rid of it, although like the amount of people who were like of a diverse background going in decreased, the ones who actually got in continued to like graduate at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Like cause and correlation, like the people who get in are like more likely to. But that that is like a reason why you can see affirmative action is problematic, but it could still be put in place for colleges that actually would correspond to these people's education levels. I just feel like affirmative action is problematic because it is like kind of ironically promoting racial inequality, right. but is necessarily to offset the racial inequality that, that systems were in place pass. before. Okay. And then also, then surprisingly enough, I would actually not like include Asian people because like Asian people have actually like potentially suffered from uh, uh, affirmative action, affirmative due, to action. St- due to stereotypes. You know, yeah. like the whole like concept of the raw
0: model, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, model uh, minority, or whatever. Yeah. But. No, no yeah. I think we definitely can talk about more about affirmative action in the future. I mean, we're gonna have so many more episodes and uh, many more podcasts where we're able to talk about affirmative action. I think definitely looking at the Asian American population and affirmative action uh, as that's like a huge issue, or at least a lot of Asian Americans think in the future, in, in the current society, um, we definitely are able. We'll be able to look at that in the future.
1: Yeah but I, I yeah, just like like yeah
0: I mean, like final things on the affirmative action that yeah, you can just, like, think of
1: affirmative action is like weird um, I think it had its place in history uh, mm-hmm. it definitely did but like now it's like some weird like middle ground where affirmative actions should be like very much so useful for people to like get uh, opportunities for colleges but mm-hmm. it's also wondering like should there be like a correlation to like how much it should give you boost up like it still could get you in a good school but like you shouldn't like put someone who just would not succeed in that kind of environment like that not because oh we're not going to help the minority person but like actually oh this person can't compete like because of like their levels of like intelligence or learning um it's there for a reason and like it could be equally said like to a very smart person who didn't get into his Mm -hmm. goals of color it's interesting because, like, I think that maybe, like, the mindset is that, hey, I am a person of color or people who are white say, hey, this is a person of color who is academically intelligent mm-hmm. and has a great SAT score. But now they are also getting the bump up because of affirmative action. Yeah. So I see where people have problems with that, but I still think that it's fine in place because it's trying to offset the history gonna be a system average. for. Yeah,
0: it's trying to offset the history of the, like problems yeah, or the issues. I, mean, I think it's definitely going to be an issue that is going to continue on. But it's definitely a system where there's going to be a lot of improvements needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to like wrap up the podcast, we just wanted to quickly just talk about how uh, you guys as our audience can have more of these open dialogue conversations. Um, because I, I found that a lot of people will go into conversations um, thinking it's going to be a debate right off the bat. Um, and they think it's like, they come in with their own opinion and they don't really want to necessarily agree or be open to the other person's opinion. So I'm, I'm, there's going to be a link in the, uh, description, um, about, uh, just how people can be more open-minded on discourse, but a couple things that I really took away from this link was that people should really attempt to establish a dialogue rather than debate that's first and foremost like you really shouldn't be going into it trying to prove your point rather than rather you should be trying to understand the other person's perspective on it mm-hmm. you should also be asking the individual instead of um, you sh- or you should be asking the individual like why they are experiencing this and why they're interpreting it this way because you're really going to want to try to step into their shoes here because if you're not stepping into their shoes and trying to understand their point of view, then you're really not going to be able to understand the overall discussion or dialogue that you're having. Okay. Uh, the third point that I really wanted to make was that you really need to be comfortable with changing your view- viewpoint. And this is a big problem that a lot of people um, fall into. They really think, They're really like, oh, they might agree to disagree with someone who is talking, but they might not actually change their opinion at all. So a a positive and informative discussion and dialogue between two or more people, you're always going to be able to add something, a new outlook to your viewpoint that you might not have had um, originally.
1: Yeah, and so it's just important. Change is uncomfortable. Like, I've had yeah. moments in my life, just like, and people have had this, even when it's not like racial discussions, you realize, like, you talk to your family about something and you're wrong, mm-hmm. and it doesn't sit well with you. No one likes to be wrong. Yeah, It's like, whether or not you're able to let that process and say, I am wrong, or show somebody, hey, you're wrong, but you don't need to feel horrible about it. If you just learn mm-hmm. from it, then you don't need to, like, look back with, like, a lot of regret. Well, you could regret actions, but forward thinking, you know? Yeah. Change is uncomfortable. Exactly. Life is uncomfortable. Life
0: (laughs) life is literally uncomfortable. Um, But it's pretty much like, exactly, like we're, you know, change, like change, people hate to change. Like, honestly, people, if people can be, a lot of people are pretty complacent in their ideas and viewpoints that they already have, so to come into a conversation and be able to change or at least add a little bit of something to your outlook that really shows like the type of person you are and it really shows that you're really trying to get the most out of the conversation Mm -hmm. and the fourth point that i really wanted to make was really don't try to make any digs at the person like you're only going to hurt the conversation and the dialogue that you're having you more so should try to interpret their experience or even just ask them if they're interpreting their experience in the right way. Mm-hmm. That could go a really long way because they could really start questioning themselves on, like, oh, is this is this experience that I had? Is it um, the type of what? Is it is it? Did this person mean what they what they had as an action towards me? Mm-hmm. And that might be you might have interpreted it differently than someone else did. And every everyone is always interpreting things differently always and like examples are in the news. Like you always see people interpreting different news medias and news, different news sources all the time. Um, but in order to really understand the other side, you really need to be able to ask them to interpret the er Yeah. in order to, in, in order to really understand the other side, you really need to understand how they got to the, this, interpretation of the experience and then provide some insight into whether or not they could look at it in a different light
1: yeah just straightforward sometimes it's best to ask like do you really know or like how did you really interpret like what you're saying mm-hmm. sometimes like asking can like prevent a whole lot of issues like someone could say something really rude to you mm-hmm. but it's like do you really know like what that might mean to somebody It's like no like what, I thought that was just like something on average you point it out to them and you could change your perspective I wouldn't deny it sometimes there's just things that you should not like even brook discussion. Yeah. There's it's 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 a very interesting it's like how people know, is this porn, is this sexual? That sounds really random when I say it. There's like that conceptual thing that every person has. You know there's a thick line if someone walks over it that it's not working for discussion. But if you see someone saying something that you might not agree with, or he's like, Do you really understand what significance that has? Maybe just reach out it's like, Hey, I just want to make sure you understand what that means. Go the extra mile and they might actually walk it back for you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And the last point that we really wanted to make um, was in order to have a pretty effective dialogue, you really need to understand and never forget the goal that you came into with the conversation. So this is good, this goal that you make, whether that be, uh, we want to understand each other's perspectives uh, better, or we want to, I want to become more educated on this specific topic um whatever goal it is we re- you do not want to try to deviate away from that goal because that can lead to tensor moments and um potential debates happening which then just kind of defeats the whole purpose of the dialogue from occurring i just want to clarify at the end
1: uh, debates aren't bad but when i s- i think when we say debates we mean like aggressively dismantling <laughs> each other so yeah, sometimes you gotta actually come into a conversation and say, "Change my mind," but not like, "Ha, try to change my mind." Like, actually, I really want to have my mind change potentially. Yeah, if you come with that mindset, you can learn a lot and you can teach a lot.
0: No, and Mickey's exactly right with that. I mean, you really don't want to, like, I'm. I mean, you do want to go into um, each discussion you have with someone, whether it be a friend or someone new, with an open mindset. Um, but. Wrapping things up, we just wanted to say thank you so much for listening in on the first uh, podcast episode of BTG. Yeah. We're li- we're really looking forward to the future and, um, and not not only educating ourselves but educating you all on just important issues at hand. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you.